ripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let us let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph unto, into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit. He rent his clothes and returned to his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? They took Joseph's coat, killed a goat, a kid, of the goats dipped the coat in the blood and they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said this we have we found and know now see if it be thy son's coat or not he knew it Jacob said it is my son's coat an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. I'm compelled just to deliver this. And I preach tonight overcoming the assumption now Lord anoint me to preach your anointed word and let the whole people receive it with readiness of mind in the name of Jesus I pray and all the people clapping your hands unto the Lord something ought to come out of your mouth like a great praise unto our God may be seated and when you're seated now I want you to praise him one more time while you're seated can you do it while you're seated you don't have to stand up but just while you're seated give him praise I'm gonna get to it quick doubtless the decision of the father caused the division among the sons all Jacob ever saw from his parents and grandparents was favoritism. So I suppose it's understandable that he would do likewise with his own children. Rachel was his preferred wife. And when she finally had a son, there was no greater joy in Jacob's life. Joseph was his name. And it didn't take long before Jacob gave him special recognition. Though it was detrimental and destructive among the other brothers, it seems that Jacob was blind to his own partiality. It's on some particular day 
that Jacob has an idea to honor a young son who has done nothing of significance. Jacob makes and gives a coat of many colors to Joseph to showcase his preference. The gift doesn't set well with the other brothers. They are all already in angst against Joseph's dreams. He dreamed once, told them, that as they were all in the field in his dream, their sheaves bowed down to his. It drew the disgust of his brothers. He dreamed another dream that the sun, moon, and eleven stars all bowed down to him. Even Jacob took offense to that. The dreams, the coat, their forsaken mother was a root enough to cause them to hate him, and they did. Look into the scripture and you'll find the scene being set. Joseph is coming from afar to greet his brothers. But his coat will cast a long shadow of jealousy against their collective minds. For before Joseph ever arrives, they are plotting how to kill him. Reuben, the eldest among them, somehow comes to his senses and he says, let's not kill him, but let's just cast him into a pit. It's a temporary reprieve that will not suffice the anger in their hearts. So when they finally sell Joseph off to that band of Ishmaelites, they had to come up with a way to break the news to their father. So they took the coat and killed a goat and dipped the coat of many colors into the fresh blood of the small goat. And without too much explanation, they laid the evidence of Joseph's demise at the feet of their father. The Bible says they took the coat of many colors back to their father and they said, we found this, examine it to see whether it belongs to your son Joseph. Look carefully in the scriptures. They never said that Joseph had been killed or that he was dead. They never told their father that a beast had killed him. They never said that the blood was Joseph's blood. They just gave him the evidence of his death and it was enough for Jacob to assume the worst. And on that assumption, Jacob said, and I quote again, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn in pieces. And on that assumption, Jacob ripped his clothes and wept and refused to be comforted for the rest of his life until he found Joseph alive. The brothers, however, did not say it. Jacob said it. The brothers, as hateful and vindictive as they might have been, did not give the report. They just showed the evidence, and Jacob drew his own conclusion. It was wrong. It was far from the truth, as far as you could get. But he, like we, make assumptions about the enemy based upon false information. The reason is simple. We believe what our eyes tell us, and we decide in God's power, and sometimes in our own ability, based upon what we can see. But I rise to say to all of you, that bloody coat that's lying at your feet, that's a lie of the devil. Hear me. He wants to show you that he has power and that you've lost everything and that you should be in mourning and weeping and depressed. But I say tonight, that's the evidence of the devil and you've got the power to overcome the assumption. I'll hasten. 
Like those ten spies who came back and told Moses, there are giants in the land, and we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. The evidence of God's power should have been settled at the Red Sea, but instead of seeing the omnipotent God, they saw themselves. There's a coat of blood lying at the feet of the redeemed here tonight, and it's telling you a lie. Hear me, God is not dead in your life, and his forever word is settled. It is not in jeopardy. I just heard the children quote, the word is not in jeopardy. It's not going to fade away. Here's the pastor tonight. There's a bloody coat laying at your feet. You don't need to believe it because God's word is still powerful. In fact, I like what God said to the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah prodded visions and, and was given to them scenes of the land. It's it, it God, this great God of heaven is showing him what's going to happen. He's both foretelling and foretelling. And God is speaking to Jeremiah and he writes, and I quote, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? God said, I see the branch of an almond tree. I replied, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly. Watch this. For I am watching to see that my word is is fulfilled here pastor tonight God is watching over his word no need to worry if it's possible he's making sure that what he has promised is going to come to pass he's watching over his word and regardless of what it looks like to your natural eye the enemy has only false information and evidence I want to tell you, God's watching over his word. And if he gave you a promise, I don't care if everybody tells you it won't happen. I don't care if everybody says it's over. God's going to watch over his word. You're not weak. You're not inept. You're a blood-bought child of the Most High God. You're not over. You're not through. You're not down. You're not, you're not crumbling. You're not destroyed. God is watching over you. I'll read it to you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you verily. I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two are three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He's watching over that word. Hear me. Not one of the words of God is ever going to fade away. Not one little dot. Not one little tittle. Not one little mark. It's going to be true. It's going to stand forever. I want you to overcome the assumptions. I want you to overcome the assumptions. I don't care what it looks like. That's just false information. It's a power you know not of. And the worst thing the church could do is make an assumption that we are weak when in reality the blood of Jesus is a foolproof power unlike anything the world has ever known. Consider it, Elijah, that incredible man of God, standing on Mount Carmel, and he has just come 
completed rebuilding the altar. He turns on his heels and he speaks to the Lord Jehovah. He wants God to prove himself before the people. They are numb. The people are indifferent and without a word of affirmation for the prophet. So because they are wavering between two opinions, Elisha, Elijah seeks the supernatural and indeed fire falls from heaven and consumes the sacrifice but it also licks up the water and the dust around the altar. Elijah is so full of faith that he kills all the prophets of Baal and of Jezebel 850 in all and then he hears the sound of an abundance of rain and calls for a servant to go up to the mountaintop to the peak to look out to see if he can find a cloud and when he came down the seventh time he said I don't see much just the size of a man's fist think of it fire falling the destruction of the false prophets and faith enough to hear the sound with a cloud without a cloud in the sky But when the wicked Queen Jezebel hears of it, she sends a message to the prophet and threatens him. Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you within 24 hours. This time tomorrow, you'll be dead. One word and Elijah falls into deep depression. He is held hostage by an assumption that Jezebel is able to do what she said she could do. That coat of blood is at his feet and he's drawn an assumption that his enemy is greater than the God that he served. Even after the fire, even after the slaughter, even after the sound of abundance of rain because it's easy for us to believe the voice of the enemy. Bible describes King Saul he is now obviously deranged he's chasing David like a dog to the countryside until finally David grows weary of running he was emotionally exhausted mentally drained physically wore out he was fatigued by the constant cave dwelling and the Bible says in 1 Samuel 27 and 1 David said in his heart I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. David with all of those victories in his youth and young adult life. Has spent so much time avoiding the conflict. That he begins to think that one day Saul is going to kill him. So to save himself. He did the unthinkable. He cast himself before the king of the Philistines. So that he might take him in and protect him. The Bible says that David and I quote. He changed his behavior before them. Feigned himself mad. Pretended. He scrabbled, scratched at the door of the gate and let spittle fall down on his beard. The arch enemies of Israel became the refuge of a fatigued David. And not only did David hide himself in Philistia, but he sought refuge in the very town that Goliath was from, Gath. Can you imagine? He went there because he believed the evidence presented and he thought one day at the hands of Saul... I'm going to die. And David hid himself there for, the Bible says, 16 months. No songs were written there. No melodies came from that place. It was the darkest days of David's life. What a great tragedy. David thought he would die at the hands of Saul. Did you read it in your Bible? The truth was that Saul could never have killed David 
Even if he had a nuclear bomb, he couldn't have killed David. Because Samuel the prophet had already anointed David to be the next king over Israel. David was never in peril. Because God had already appointed him and anointed him to be the next king of Israel. But David got weary. He got low. He got depressed. He got down. And he feigned himself mad. And he scratched at a door. And he let spittle run down his face just so they wouldn't kill him. And he hid himself inside of the camp of the enemy because he thought one day Saul is going to kill me. When in reality Saul could never have killed him. It didn't matter how many guns, knives, spears, arrows or weapons of war that Saul had he could never kill him and here's the reason why the prophet had already poured the oil on his head and once God's word and his anointing was poured on his head he was not going to die I had to come to the realization that if God anointed me, he's going to appoint me. That if God's called me, he's going to make a provision. And it didn't matter who came against me. He wasn't going to let me die. And I'll tell you what the Pharisees said when they tried to stop the disciples and the apostles from preaching. He stood up and said, why are you doing this? If this is of God, you can't fight it lest ye fight against God. I want to tell you something. If God be for you, who can be against you? No, 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 no. No, I'll I'll tell you what you're doing. You're looking at the evidence. You're seeing your fatigue. You're drowning in your depression. You think that it can't happen. But I rise to say, he's got you right where he wants you. I'm done. coat to the side because the Lord has anointed you and he's not through with you. One more. I want you to read it with me. 2 Corinthians 120. Are you ready? For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us let me just unpack it won't take long he's going to do his work in you just to provide glory for himself he's not going to let you fall because he's interested in his glory emanating from every struggle and every conflict when you rise up and you throw your hands up in the air and say I still got the victory even though I went through trouble because all his promises are yet when it doesn't look like he's going to come through God is still in charge and the coach We're not dying. We're rising. We're not surviving. We're thriving. You ought to put your hand on yourself and just say, Self, you're thriving. 
You think you're done? I'm going to tell you what, you're not done. You're still filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. You're thriving. You ought to say to yourself, we're not defeated. We're just, we're overcoming. And if you're down and low, crawl your way back up and you say, I'm not over. I'm just getting back up on my feet. You see, in your mind is the battlefield of your life. In your thoughts. And the devil can't touch you. He can't destroy you. But he can put evidence in front of you. Makes you think that it won't happen. But I see a God watching over his word. He's watching over his word. (laughs) Right now in the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer over everybody. I pray, Lord, against the false assumptions that the enemy would try to put on our lives. Push them back in Jesus' name. I pray right now, the word of the Lord is sure. It is founded. It is right. It is holy. Ah, in the name of Jesus, I pray against every assumption that's made by the church that would detract from the promises of God because all the promises of God in Him are yea and all of them are amen unto the glory of God. I'm saying it right now to you. I'm speaking it into your spirit. I'm speaking it into the, into the depths of the core of your heart. All of the promises of God are yea and amen. They are yes. They are settled. If you're sick in your body, in just a moment, I'm going to have you raise your hand. Don't do it yet. God has already provided your healing. Because the Bible says, with his stripes, it doesn't say we were. It says we are. That's a present term. We are healed. If you're ready to get your healing in your life, I want you to put your hands up in the air and just say, I believe your word and I receive the healing for my body. in your life and you know only God can do it I want you to I want you to stand upon the word of God and throw your hands up in the air you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain and throw your hands up in the air and say I'm not going to believe the report of the enemy